Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Glad you're with us here at 6 o'clock for our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, right on cue, the tropics are heating up. And the White House press secretary says an anonymous author should resign. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And we're talking about that as Trump is sabotaged from within. My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning, or better known as Friday Eve at 6.02 on News Radio 93.1. The U.S. is dealing with the remnants of Gordon and is watching a very powerful Hurricane Florence as well as other disturbed weather boiling off the coast of Africa. Bob Smurbeck with the AccuWeather says, you can tell we've hit the heavy part of the hurricane season. We're getting uh, toward the peak season of uh, hurricane season as we get uh, deeper into September here. And uh, just like uh, somebody flipped a switch, the tropics are heating up right now. He says the next few weeks are going to be busy ones. Several factors will be in play, determining how many of these systems, if any, become a threat to the U.S. mainland. The statistical peak for the hurricane season is September 10th. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Now, if you're on the roads this morning, specifically I-4 near Deltona, and you notice the heavy delays, that's because, unfortunately, a motorcyclist is dead after being knocked off his bike on I-4 in Volusia County and then subsequently run over. The Florida Highway Patrol says a 21-year-old DeLand man was eastbound on I-4 shortly after midnight today when his motorcycle was struck from behind by an SUV. He was ejected from the bike and run over by two other vehicles. The FHP says the drivers of those other vehicles, however, stopped and contacted law enforcement. Back to the other big story of the day, and one I know, Bud, you're going to be talking about as soon as I'm done with the news this morning. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says the senior White House official who wrote an anonymous opinion article in the New York Times should resign. Sanders tweeted yesterday, quote, this coward should do the right thing and resign, end quote. She called the publication of the op-ed a new low for the Times. The paper knows who the author is and verified the person's identity before publishing the piece, which it says comes from a senior White House official. The op-ed says there is a resistance inside the White House that tries to protect the country from President Trump's misguided impulses. I've got some strong feelings about this. I'll be asking you what you think, and I'm going to read the lion's share of that anonymous New York Times op-ed in a moment. And we'll hear from the president. Closer to home, Vice President Mike Pence will be in Central Florida today to campaign for GOP Governor Rick Scott, who's trying to unseat the Democratic incumbent, Senator Bill Nelson. It begins this morning when Scott joins Republican candidate for Governor Ron DeSantis for a rally at the Ace Cafe in downtown Orlando. Vice President Pence will arrive at Orlando International Airport shortly after 11 a.m. and will attend a luncheon at the airport with Governor Scott. Then comes a motorcade to the Villages for a dinner reception. Today is day three of Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation hearing. Senators will continue grilling the federal appeals court judge who was pressed on abortion yesterday. Kavanaugh described Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court ruling on abortion, as settled law. Kavanaugh also talked about the extent of presidential powers and said the executive branch is subject to the law and the court system. He insisted that no one is above the law. Later in this hour, I'll talk live with our 93.1 national correspondent, Michael Bauer, who's been all over the Kavanaugh hearings. We'll get the latest on that coming up. In other news, a man convicted of punching the organizer of the deadly 2000 or August 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. He's being fined one dollar. 
Jeffrey Winder was again found guilty of assault and battery after an appeal Tuesday. Winder was convicted of attacking Jason Kessler and was one of several people who attacked Kessler during a press conference after the rally. Winder has never said he actually punched Kessler. He could still appeal, although the judge gave him the $1 fine and no jail time. And finally, Vanilla Ice is back home in Palm Beach County after what he calls a crazy day. The 90s rapper was on a flight from Dubai to New York yesterday, over 500 people on that plane, which was quarantined for about three hours after landing at JFK. More than 100 passengers fell sick on the flight. I think it is the flu, but ice is fine. He tells Local 10 News it was a chaotic scene when they landed with fire trucks and hazmat crews surrounding the plane. At least 10 people had to be taken to the hospital in New York after that flight landed. WFLA News Time at 6.06. While read about airport security trays, well, they're dirtier than toilets, according to a new study. Oh. Yeah, you can get the disgusting details before you take your next flight at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Deborah Roberts, and Michael Yaffe. And Steph will be screening your calls. We're getting into that anonymous op-ed in the New York Times by a member of the Trump administration. I'm going to read the lion's share of it. You're only hearing short clips here and there. Deb has set the table. The key questions I want you to ponder and respond to by calling me at 407-916-5400 or the toll-free that is now 866-916-5400 or texting me at 23680 are these. Who do you think wrote the op-ed? Do you consider that person to be a hero or a traitor? Will this help or hurt Trump and candidates who support him as we come up to the midterms? And is it time for a wholesale purge within the Trump administration to get rid of the president's enemies from within? Good morning, Orlando, from the Front Gate Realty Studio, from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. If you listen to us on the FM dial at 102.5, then be sure to move to 93.1 and lock in on your preset now, 93.1, because 102.5 FM goes away starting October 1st. You can still get us there now, and you can get us now at 93.1 and then uh, and then forever thereafter. But if you listen to us at AM 540 or 107.7 HD3, you don't need to change anything because nothing is changing there. The explosive, cowardly... Anonymous op-ed in the New York Times that has my hair on fire. Share it with you, and we need to talk about it, and we will in one way or another during all three hours this morning. So let's dive in, and we will right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA, still on AM 540. All right, I want you to listen closely because you're going to get more of the New York Times anonymous op-ed here than you've been getting almost anywhere else. I think it's important to do it. We got a big audience off the top at 6 o'clock this morning, so here it comes your way. Most of this from the Bud Man. I took out some things that don't seem as important in the interest of time. You'll hear from the president in a moment. You'll hear from White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders in the form of her statement. All of this has been posted on our website in its entirety. Go check it out, WFLAOrlando.com, keyword Bud Man. This is what popped up in the New York Times yesterday afternoon, and this is from the Times initially. The Times today is taking a rare step of publishing an anonymous op-ed essay. We have done so at the request of the author. 
a senior official in the Trump administration. See, not necessarily within the White House. This could be any one of hundreds of people, really, whose identity is known to us and whose job would be jeopardized by its disclosure. We believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important perspective to our listeners. And so here is the headline and the op-ed. I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. I work for the president, but like-minded colleagues and I have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. President Trump is facing a test to his presidency, unlike any faced by a modern American leader. It is not just that the special counsel looms large or that the country is bitterly divided over Mr. Trump's leadership, or even that his party might well lose the House to an opposition hell-bent on his downfall. The dilemma, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know I am one of them. To be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country, and the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. That is why Trump appointees... Many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. The root of the problem is the president's amorality. Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision-making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideals long espoused by conservatives, free minds, free markets, and free people. At best, he has invoked these ideals in scripted settings. At worst, he has attacked them outright. In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the enemy of the people, President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Don't get me wrong. There are bright spots that the near-ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture. Effective deregulation, historic tax reform, a more robust military, and more. But... These successes have come despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. From the White House to execute the executive, forgive me, from the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander-in-chief's comments and actions. Most are working to insulate their operations from his whims, Meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. He encourages in repetitive rants. He engages, rather, in repetitive rants. And his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions that have to be walked back. It may be cold comfort in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room. We fully recognize what is happening. We're trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state. It is the work of the steady state. Given the instability many witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president, but no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis, so we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until one way or another it is over. The bigger concern is not that Mr. Trump has done, not, forgive me again, The bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. We have sunk low with him and allowed our discourse to be stripped of civility. 
there is a quiet resistance within the administration of people choosing to put country first. But the real difference will be made by everyday citizens rising above politics, reaching across the aisle and resolving to shed the labels in favor of a single one, Americans. And the New York Times notes, the writer is a senior official in the Trump administration. They are protecting the identity there. Um, Wow. My question right off the bat is, we elected Donald Trump, didn't we? We didn't elect whoever this is who thinks he's going to save the country. We knew who Donald Trump was. We knew who we operated. We're actually, those of us who support this president, pleasantly surprised by how amazingly effective he has been at pre- as a president, how he has turned things around domestically and on the foreign stage as well. Now we got somebody nobody elected, never accountable to the people, remaining anonymous, who is trying to destroy the administration and this president from within. I don't find anything to salute here. This is not a hero. This is a turncoat. This is a traitor, in my view. We'll hear from the president in a moment, but I want to hear from you now. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. An update right now on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM 540. The president's enemies within. They're all over the place in Bob Woodward's book. We have the anonymous op-ed that the New York Times was only too thrilled to run yesterday. You'll hear from the president in a moment. As a matter of fact, let's hear from him reacting now at a sheriff's event at the White House yesterday. We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This This is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, but it's really a disgrace. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons. Now, and the New York Times is failing. If the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, We're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. Part of this is about repealing away support for Trump and candidates who back him in advance of the midterms. So the initial strike can be that Congress is now controlled by the Democrats after the November election, okay? And then they start the impeachment proceedings, okay? Uh, and, And again, all about getting out of office a duly elected president of the United States And you who voted for him should be feeling really angry today, in my view, because the stage is set for you to be disenfranchised. That's where this is all headed. The effort is headed. The president tweeted, does the so-called senior administration official really exist, or is it just the failing New York Times with another phony source? If the gutless anonymous person does indeed exist, the Times must, for national security purposes, turn him or her over to government at once. Oh, my goodness, it's the First Amendment. We can't do that. Freedom of the press, for God's sake. Well, wait a minute. What if you have the elected commander-in-chief, and that's who the president is, making 
decisions that a commander-in-chief should make and having them undermined by somebody within the administration, and probably a lot more than that. For national security purposes, I think the president has a point. He also says, I'm draining the swamp, and the swamp is trying to fight back. Don't worry, we will win. Sarah Sanders, press secretary, her statement, nearly 62 million people voted for President Donald J. Trump in 2016, earning him 306 electoral college votes versus 232 for his opponent. None of them voted for a gutless anonymous source to the failing New York Times. Boy, that's a point I made right off the top. Who elected this guy to be making decisions like this to undermine an elected president? She goes on, we are disappointed but not surprised that the paper chose to publish this pathetic, reckless, and selfish op-ed. This is a new low for the so-called paper of record, and it should issue an apology, just as it did after the election for its disastrous coverage of the Trump campaign. This is just another example of the liberal media's concerted effort to discredit the president. The individual behind this piece has chosen to deceive rather than support the duly elected president of the United States. He's not putting country first, but putting himself and his ego ahead of the will of the American people. This coward should do the right thing and resign. Um, Let's get a phone call in here if we can. Tony, you're in Orlando. What are your thoughts? Hey, bud. Good morning. Morning. I think it's all fake. I think it's all baloney. And I I think just just showing you when it came out, it came out just ahead of the uh, midterm elections. Just shows you that it's all fake. It's garbage. I Do you think it's all cooked up by the New York Times? You don't think the person exists? I think the person exists. And I think oh, we're going to find out who it is. The person exists, but I don't. I don't believe it's within his, his organization. I think it's just a, a letter that was sent to the to, to the right. Times, and they ran with it. Interesting. Thank you, Yaffe. You're taking a quick check of the text line, please. Yeah, my initial take on this was if you really believe what you're doing is best for the country, why in the world would you write this op-ed? It just undermines what you're trying to do. That's what makes me suspect that this is not entirely truthful or there's something wrong with this op-ed. Because if you really believe what you're doing is best for the country, you're not going to write this op-ed. Let's go to the phones. Bertha, you're in Deland. No fan of Donald Trump, as I recall. Quickly, please. Well, you got it wrong. I used to belong to his 55-plus club, okay, in, in, in the Taj Mahal. I told you I've known Trump, father, and his second wife. I mean, the, the Trump you see now is the Trump that I know of. I told you last year there's certain people in his own party is going to, all hell's going to break loose once he signed that tax bill and put the judges on there. Why do you think Ryan is leaving? That tax bill is his tax bill for years. They're the ones trying to undermine Trump, and I feel sorry for him. That's what I told you. Thank you very much, Bertha. Deborah Roberts coming up. We're going to have a whole lot more of this in our 7 and 8 o'clock hours, gang, so hang on. i got different perspectives on it to share with you. Right now, the news, and right on cue, Deb says the tropics are heating up. We need to listen closely. And Florida's role in the federal health care lawsuit also in the news. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Good Thursday morning. Glad you're with us at 629. All right, we are approaching the statistical peak of the hurricane season, Deb, which I believe is about the 10th of September, right? Yes, that's exactly it. And right on cue, literally right on cue, the tropics are really heating up. We've yeah. already talked about Tropical Storm Gordon Came ashore with 70-mile-per-hour winds, but did cause the death of a two-year-old child. So even That if was up in the Pensacola area. Landfall was along the 
Mississippi, uh, actually. Yeah. Right, oh, and then it's breaking up and causing a lot of rain inland. Yeah, exactly. So you can't underestimate a storm, even if it's a tropical storm. Mm-hmm. And as it is, forecasters are watching what could soon become Tropical Storm Helene out in the far Atlantic. Bob Smurbeck, an AccuWeather meteorologist, says it's a system that's moving through a very favorable area. That's looking better organized right now. There's a nice area of thunderstorms, even a little low-level circulation. So uh, that has the potential here to become a tropical depression or perhaps even a tropical storm over the next couple of days. He says there's a lot going on that can either encourage or inhibit these systems, but we are in that time of year when they come thick and fast off the African coast. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The fate of the Affordable Care Act could be decided by a federal judge in Texas who's now hearing a lawsuit designed to unravel Obamacare. Florida's Republican Attorney General is one of the officials who filed the suit, and State Representative Sean Shaw says Pam Bondi should be ashamed. Pam Bondi has joined this, and her bid to undo the pre-existing coverage rule would mean that insurers could charge older patients much higher premiums, both in the individual market and for employees of small businesses. Shaw says 8 million Floridians with pre-existing conditions could lose their health coverage if the lawsuit is successful. In the meantime, if you're afraid you won't be able to afford unexpected medical bills above all other health care costs, you're not alone. A new Kaiser Family Foundation poll found that 67% of adults worry about surprise bills more than prescription drug costs, rent, food, or gas. Most of those surveyed who had received an unexpected bill attributed it to services not included in their insurance network. And Senator Bernie Sanders is taking aim at massive companies whose workers are on public assistance. The Vermont Independent introduced a bill yesterday called the Stop Bezos Act, named for Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. The bill would tax companies the same amount that their workers receive on public assistance. Sanders said the American taxpayers shouldn't have to subsidize profitable corporations run by some of the wealthiest people on the planet. He also called out Burger King, McDonald's, and American Airlines. And you can get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Mike Devin, let's bring her in live. Gina joining us, of course, as always, from the Bloomberg Newsroom in the heart of New York City. And good Thursday morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. You've been looking at the stock futures this morning. You've got the report on what went on with investors yesterday. What can you tell us? Well, right now we have the stock futures little change to higher. We did have most U.S. stocks falling yesterday as the big tech shares tumbled with those executives facing scrutiny on Capitol Hill. And the Nasdaq was hit the hardest, down 1% or 96 points to 79.95. The S&P was down 8 or about three-tenths percent to 28.89. The Dow was up about 23, almost a tenth of a percent. Not a huge gain, but nonetheless higher, closing at 25,975. That was led by telecoms and consumer staples, and we had the Bloomberg Orlando index down about a tenth of a percent. And what are you folks at Bloomberg going to be watching for today of interest to us all? Well, tariffs and trade for starters. Uh, the U.S. expected to put tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports. Uh, most observers also seeing more pain ahead for emerging market assets, which have been making investors nervous. We have NAFTA talks between the U.S. and Canada continuing today, and dairy is one of the core remaining issues there, bud. We have some economic reports to watch for today and some pretty important ones. We're getting ADP's count of private payroll growth for August. That's ahead of the big jobs report tomorrow. We get the weekly snapshots of jobless claims and last month's report on the wide-ranging services part of the U.S. economy. 
And Deb had some health care news a few moments ago, and uh, you have some as well. Apparently, a couple of major health care deals are poised to be approved. What's the story? Looks like it. A source tells Bloomberg that two major health care deals that stand to reshape the insurance and pharmacy industries are moving toward winning antitrust approval. The U.S. Department of Justice is on track to soon approve the $54 billion acquisition of pharmacy benefit manager Express Scripts by Health Insure Cigna, as well as CBS Health's $68 billion takeover of the insurer Aetna. And a meat company that we're familiar with has been around for a long time is boldly going where I guess it's never gone before. What's the deal? <laughs> yes, it's a sign of the times, bud, that 98-year-old Purdue Farms is looking at selling non-meat protein products alongside its signature chickens and turkeys. Sales of alternative proteins are still small in comparison to the $49 billion red meat and chicken market, but one estimate shows they are expected to grow 17% a year to $863 million in the year 2021. Interesting development there, and uh, always great having you with us for the Daily Bloomberg Business Report at 635. Gina, have a wonderful day. We'll catch you in 24 hours. Thanks, bud. You too. All right. Good deal. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. And remember, if you listen to us on the FM dial at 102.5, then be sure to move to 93.1 and lock it in on your preset now because 102.5 FM is going to go away starting on October 1st and will be exclusively on FM on 93.1. Don't worry, if you listen to us at AM 540, and a lot of you do, nothing changes there. Or if you catch us on 107.7 HD3, you don't need to do anything because nothing changes there. You can still find us on iHeartRadio at WFLA Orlando. Facebook is still WFLA Orlando. Twitter is at WFLA Orlando. And the website is now WFLAOrlando.com. And if you go to WFLAOrlando.com, keyword Budman, Yaffe has posted the entire anonymous op-ed, Trashing Trump, published in the New York Times. It's all there for you. Go check it all out in its entirety, because we're going to be talking about it at 7 and in 8 o'clock as well. And I'll definitely want your feedback on a number of important issues that we're discussing off that op-ed. In a moment, we're taking a little bit of a Good Morning Orlando good news break. And boy, do we have good news. Do you remember UCF's incredible one-handed football star, the great Shaquem Griffin? He got drafted by the pros. Do you know what's about to happen for Shaquem Griffin? Oh, what a story. And it is coming right up. Along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM 540. Shaquem Griffin, as we listen to the UCF football fight song here, made college football history and is about now to make professional football history. At the age of four, he had his left hand amputated. You know the story, and um, it's a remarkable one. He had his um, left hand amputated when he was four due to a congenital birth defect. And um, he learned to do everything with one hand, 
including play football at an extraordinarily high level. Nobody gave him a chance at UCF. He turned into a superstar. He got drafted in the fifth round into the National Football League by the Seattle Seahawks. It had never happened before. At the highest level of football, a player with only one hand drafted as a linebacker. People wondered whether he'd ultimately make the squad. Yeah, he made the squad. And it turns out that when the season opens this Sunday for the Seattle Seahawks, Shaquem Griffin will be starting as linebacker alongside his brother. What a story that is. Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin. Actually, he's going to be joined by his twin brother, Shaquille Griffin, at left cornerback. So where is he starting? That's very interesting here. I guess he's starting at cornerback. Okay, forgive me. Played linebacker for UCF, right, Yaffe? Yes. Okay. I want to make sure I'm, I'm getting contradictory reports here about the position, but who cares about that? Um, it turns out there was an injury to K.J. Wright, who was the starter. Um, so he's going to miss the game and recovering from knee surgery. Uh, but I talked to uh, Mike Bianchi, who hosts the uh, – the great sports show, Open Mic, on our sister station, 96.9 The Game, this morning. And he said, really, a lot of people think that Shaquem Griffin in the preseason has played so well that he ought to be starting anyway, whether or not there was an injury um, to K.J. Wright, because he led the, the team in tackles in in the preseason. What a story this is, Mike. I know, it really is an amazing story. I mean, he was a big reason why UCF did so well last year. There's no doubt about it, and nothing is going to stop this guy. He's just the kind of guy who plays hard, and it's just going to get better and better, I think. It's an incredible story. We'll watch for it. We thought you could use in the middle of all that's going on out there (laughs) a good news break. Okay, so there it is for you. Oh, my goodness, the hits just keep on coming. The Bud Man's got more good news. How would you like to go to the new Disney on Ice show this weekend with your family on us? You can, if you're our winner of the sound judgment game, am I correct? We're giving away Disney on ice tickets. Did you tell me that, Yaffe? You were shaking your head no in there, and you scared the tar out of the Bud Man. All right, we're doing that later. That's right. We're doing that in the next hour. You're right. We have a live report on the Kavanaugh hearings coming up. I can't keep track of it. we got so many moving parts here that they are. <laughs> I'm getting derailed by it all. Stay tuned. I'm sorry on that, Mike. You're absolutely right. But in the next hour, we'll play for Disney on Ice tickets. So um, stay tuned on that. Supposed to be the host of this show. You'd think I had some idea what was coming next, wouldn't you? I know what's coming right now. You can listen to a WFLA all sorts of ways at the FM dial, 102.5 AM dial. It used to be 102.5, but starting October 1st, it's going to be 93.1 AM dial, 540 HD radio, 107.7 HD3, and an iHeart radio. Download the fabulous and phenomenal iHeart radio app. You're absolutely going to love it. And if you love music, they will let you put together your weekly mixtape of all of your favorite music. The more you thumb up and save the songs you love, the more that uh, will improve and update your mixtape and give you a new one every Monday. It's all on the incredible, versatile, and absolutely free iHeartRadio app. Download it now. It is free. Live report from our news radio 93.1 National Correspondent Michael Bauer on the Kavanaugh hearings day two. It's an important story. And we'll get to it in a moment. We'll update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in two minutes for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. 
This will be day three of the um, Senate Judiciary Committee hearings for Trump's Supreme Court pick. The great conservative judge Brett Kavanaugh have a live report on what transpired yesterday. But before we get to Michael Bauer on that, here's a 30 second montage of some of what went on. First thing uh, that makes a good judge is independence, uh, not being swayed by political or public pressure. That takes some backbone. That takes some judicial fortitude. Respect for precedent is another one. Precedent is, is rooted right into the Constitution itself, and is constitutionally dictated to pay attention and pay heed to the rules of, of precedent. No one is above the law in our constitutional system. If you walk into my courtroom and you have the better legal arguments, you will win. Brett Kavanaugh yesterday being grilled in, um, in Congress in the Senate Judiciary Committee. It went on for hour after hour after hour. So the man who's been watching it all is going to further boil it all down for us right now as we bring in our good friend, News Radio 93.1 National Correspondent Michael Bauer. Good morning again. Welcome aboard, Michael. Good morning, Bud, man. Are you sure it was hours? It felt like days. I'll bet it did. Yesterday on Furl. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess if you like your confirmation hearings somewhat inefficient and filled with non-answer answers, you love day two of the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, a lot like Neil Gorsuch a, a year ago, um, you had Kavanaugh kind of stick to the uh, won't share his opinion on very much. He wouldn't say whether a sitting president should be or could be subpoenaed, yet you've had Jefferson, Nixon, Clinton all been subpoenaed. It's not really a hypothetical question that he was attempting to not answer there. Also, would only give his opinion on court cases that had been decided decades ago, saying that Roe v. Wade is now settled law. It kind of seemed to me like Kavanaugh came across as sort of a polished politician, but it begs the question at this point, Bud, man, if we're in a place where a justice nominee is concerned about their answer to a probing question because it may affect some decision or ruling on the case that they have to make down the road, why are we asking any question of them at all? Well, that is a good point, and it makes me wonder as well, but I didn't get the impression that the Democrats you know, who know they don't have the votes here, but are looking Mm -hmm. to just dirty up um, Trump's pick here. It didn't seem to me from what I was able to watch that they really did much damage, laid much of a glove on Kavanaugh. I thought he was well prepped and uh, Mm -hmm. comported himself well. Now, you watched more than I did. What's your take on all of that? I didn't get any vibe that there was anything that was done yesterday that would uh, create any sort of a damning conversation today in regards to Kavanaugh. I can't imagine that there was anything said in the Roe v. Wade part that you might have somebody like uh, Senator Mikowski or Collins that would switch their vote or consider switching their vote. Uh, I think pretty much everything is laid out par for the course the way it has, and we haven't seen anything shocking. There hasn't been any ta-da moments uh, in regards to this, and I don't expect any to come about today. So I expect everything to remain on the same pace, which would indicate that the votes are all there. Nobody's changing anything. If anything, Bud, man, it would seem to me there are probably more Democratic senators that are willing to jump ship and vote alongside Republicans to uh, approve Kavanaugh here in order to help their votes come midterms if they're in red states already. So I do think that that's more likely than the other. Got it. Um, Is this going to wrap up today? Will this be it? Well, today is day three, so you're going to have more rounds of the same kind of questions that you had yesterday, where the senators get their full 30 minutes uh, to sort of grill Kavanaugh and under any circumstances. Later on this week, and I, I presume they're saying that's going to be tomorrow. I don't see the stretching into the weekend. You're expected to see some of the outside witnesses and representatives from the American Bar Association, law clerks, professors, and others making their testifying uh, before the committee to make their case for whether Kavanaugh should or shouldn't be confirmed. I'm expecting that to happen. I will expect more of the same kind of disturbances from people there 
there in the room itself. Uh, I just hope as they, as we saw yesterday, less camera time for those people, yeah. and let's just kind of move through the process as we can. It's outrageous. I don't think we should have to put up with that in a scenario like this, but it's all First Amendment. Nobody wants to disrupt the right to free speech, but it's outrageous what goes on. Um, Senate Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell, I heard him on Fox. He was saying that uh, that that they're going to have the votes and they're going to have Kavanaugh confirmed and on the court when the new session starts October 1. Is that what you're hearing? Well, that's what, uh, in fact, that's what uh, Chairman Chuck Grassley said the other day. He said that he was optimistically of the belief that not only would they get him approved, but then also have him ready to go when the court begins October 1st. That's when they begin their season. So he seems optimistic about it. McConnell seems optimistic about it. And I haven't seen anything in the past two days' worth of, uh, of hearings and testimony that would indicate anything otherwise. It seems like at this point, barring any sort of uh, magical rabbit coming out of a Democratic shocker hat, I don't see anything that would cause any kind of a change here. All right. I know you'll be watching for News Radio 93.1 National Correspondent Michael Bauer. Thank you so much. Have a good day, my friend. You got it, bud, man. Enjoy the rest of your morning. I absolutely will. Good job on that, as always. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a beautiful Thursday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, right on cue, the tropics are heating up. And a new poll says Florida's U.S. Senate race is too close to call. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Do we now have a full-blown coup attempt underway on the part of Trump's enemies? We're talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Thursday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 93.1. As we reach the peak of the hurricane season, which is September 10th, there are two new systems coming off the coast of Africa and also a new degree of concern about Florence, which became the first major hurricane of the season this week. AccuWeather meteorologist Bob Smurbeck says the movement of a cold front will tell us whether or not Florence becomes something that should concern us. We got to keep an eye on Florence. Uh, uh, there will be a, a cool front that moves through uh, the northeastern United States uh, Friday into uh, Saturday, and that, as that front moves offshore, it will it may try to pick up Florence. But if it misses Florence, then Florence could be uh, taking a track further west toward the uh, east coast. Uh, but that wouldn't be until uh, uh, as we get into next week, sometime. Hurricane Florence is weakening a bit over the South Central Atlantic, but remains a strong Category Three storm. The National Hurricane Center. 5 a.m. Eastern Time Advisory located Florence less than 1,200 miles east-southeast of Bermuda and moving northwest at 12 miles an hour. Top winds are 115 miles an hour, but for a time yesterday, Florence was a Category 4. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The race for the U.S. Senate in Florida is a dead heat, and that may be an understatement. Peter Brown at Quinnipiac University says their new survey shows Rick Scott and Bill Nelson are tied at 49%. The tightness of the race between Senator Nelson and Governor Scott is extraordinary. And a 49-49 dead heat at this point is likely to produce a campaign that will go down to the absolute finish line. Scott leads among men, whites, and Hispanics. Nelson leads among women, blacks, and independents. And almost nobody undecided at this point. They're yeah. locked in. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's been, I think, the most surprising thing for pollster Peter Brown is that yeah. with eight weeks still left to go, folks have already made up their minds. Yep. And that includes if the race for governor were a baseball game, one Republican says Ron DeSantis just hit a walk-off grand slam. 
That's what House Speaker Richard Corcoran says about DeSantis choosing Miami State Representative Jeanette Nunez as his running mate on the GOP ticket. The announcement is expected today. If they win in November, the 46-year-old Nunez would be the first female Cuban-American lieutenant governor. In the meantime, today is also the day we should find out who Andrew Gillum's running mate will be. The Democratic nominee for governor has until 5 p.m. to pick his lieutenant governor candidate. He's been said to be considering former 2nd District Congresswoman Gwen Graham, among others. Of course, she was the one expected to win the Democratic primary and instead Gillum's big upset win. It'd be very interesting to see whether or not she would come down to take the number two slot. That lieutenant governorship, you know, I mean, that's a job... You just disappear into that job you never heard from again. Yeah, it would be interesting to see, though, because yeah. she says she and Gillum have been friends for years. Yeah, and, for the good uh, of the party and to maximize yeah. the chances of a win in November. I would absolutely, maybe. I absolutely see it happening. The governor's campaign staff is criticizing what it calls an irresponsible ruling by a judge in Leon County. Circuit Court Judge Charles Dodson ruled yesterday that Governor Rick Scott must publicly release travel records from a Senate campaign. He was given 10 days to comply, but Scott's campaign plans to appeal. A spokesman for the Republican nominee's campaign says the ruling was politically motivated, and he accuses Dodson of being a liberal activist judge who's putting the governor's security at risk. And finally, for some good news, two police officers are credited with saving a man's life after a crash in Ocala. Police say the man had a heart attack while driving on I-75 and crashed into a ditch this week as his wife was traveling behind him in another vehicle. Witnesses were performing CPR on the man when officers Joshua Warner and Shelby O'Grady arrived. The officers used a defibrillator to revive the man, and he is expected to survive. O'Grady says she just tried to stay focused and do the best she could. That's why they're first responders strong. You bet. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about a bored Google engineer who just decided to hack Google's office security system. You can get the details at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Alongside the Deb Meister, the Budman Action Service, Yaffe, our executive producer, Steph, will be taking your calls. We're back into the big story, really a blockbuster story that broke yesterday in the New York Times, which was gleefully publishing an anonymous op-ed by a senior Trump administration official who claims to be part of an effort from within the Trump administration to actively undermine the president, coming a day after... Excerpts were released of the Woodward book here. Makes me wonder whether or not we have a full-blown coup attempt underway by Trump's enemies. And those within his administration counted among them. Sure feels like it to me. We're talking about it here in a moment. Your take. Welcome at 407-916-5400. The uh, toll-free is now 866-916-5400. Text line still the same, 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. We'll get into that after a word from Deb and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, of course. And that's just two minutes away. Stay with me on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM 540. Six o'clock hour, I read a lot of the op-ed from the New York Times. The whole thing is posted on the website. Time doesn't permit me to do that again in great detail. A few headlines coming up here in a moment. Then you're going to hear from the president. Um, check it all out. Yaffe has the whole op-ed posted on the website, which is now WFLAOrlando.com. 
Keep in mind that we're now going to move from 102.5 FM starting October 1st exclusively on FM over to 93.1. So lock that in in your preset right now, 93.1, because 102.5 goes away October 1st. No changes if you listen to us in AM 540. This is really unprecedented. Um, The New York Times is out to get the president. There is no doubt about this. Um, The idea that there would be someone within the administration uh, who would write this anonymously and that the, the, the Times would 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 put it out there. It's unbelievable. It looks to me like we have a full-blown coup attempt going on here. Um and and it isn't just, you know, it isn't just a partisan thing. It isn't just the Democrats, you know, who are out to destroy the president and have been ever since he got elected, ever since frankly he became, you know, he entered the race for president. But but this is coming from when his own administration here and it comes on the heels of the Woodward book, you know, where all these anonymous sources saying that, you know, uh, the, the the president is completely not up to the job. He is unhinged. He's irrational. He's unfit to be president of the United States. Trump took him on the Woodward book and then the op-ed. Let's listen to what he had to say about the Woodward book that uh, we were reporting on yesterday morning. The book is a work of fiction. If you look back at Woodward's past, he had the same problem with other presidents. He likes to get publicity, sell some books. Well, Bob Woodward's track record, I mean, he had the same problem with Obama. Does reporting help bring down President Nixon? Sure. He had the same problem with President Obama. He had a tremendous problem with President Bush. Every time he wrote a book, they were complaining about it. They were complaining about the lack of accuracy. And I understand him, and that's what he does. And I fully understood that before. Uh, in the end, uh, I'm very happy with the way it turned out because I think the book has been totally discredited. That's Trump on the Woodward book. Here's Trump yesterday afternoon during a sheriff's event at the White House as the news broke of the anonymous op-ed by a senior administration official published in the New York Times. We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This, person this is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, but it's really a disgrace. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons now, and the New York Times is failing. If the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, We're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. 85% 85% of Republicans backing the president to the hilt. In that regard, he's right on the poll numbers here. Do we have a full-blown coup attempt? It seems to me that we really do. When you throw all of this in with the Mueller probe, the deep state that's going on uh, and has been a problem here, I mean, it's amazing. And if you are a Trump supporter as I am, you ought to be really angry here this morning if for no other reason than there are forces at work. And not only across the aisle with the Democrats, but within the Republican Party and the administration, people actually working for the president to undermine him and destroy him. We did not elect whoever wrote this op-ed. We elected the president of the United States. And the effort is on to destroy his presidency, maybe to invoke the 25th Amendment to declare him unfit for the job and give the job over with a majority vote in the cabinet and a, and, a, and a vote of the vice president, which I can't imagine from Pence, that Pence would become president. 
And this is all in the run-up to the midterm elections. Undermine the president and, by extension, weaken those who are running and supporting Trump. And then paralyze him, if you can't get him out of office, by having the Democrats, Pelosi and company, running the House, and Schumer and company running the United States Senate. Can't wait till 2020 to try to take him down. This is, this is really looks to me like a coup attempt. And this is just the latest aspect of it, the New York Times editorial. Who do you think wrote it? Do you consider that person a hero or a traitor? How much is it going to hurt Trump and his supporters? I think Trump's going to have to engage in a full-blown purge within the White House to ferret out the anti-Trumpers, not just the op-ed writer. 407-916-5400. What are your thoughts on this? This is unprecedented. This is, this is really, really scary stuff. To thwart the will of more than 60 million people who knew who Donald Trump was, and I'm not surprised at all by the way he behaves. I think he's become a much better president than I could have imagined. But to thwart the will of those of us who voted him into office to disenfranchise more than 60 million Trump voters any way they can. And this op-ed is part of it. 407-916-5400. So if you think the president's cowering under his desk this morning, sure doesn't sound like it to me. But this is pretty ugly. What's going on? We're talking about it. Pete, you're in Winter Haven. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. Hey, bud. How's it going, man? All right. Talk, talk to me, buddy. So I'm not a Trump fan. I, I, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not voting for Trump. But here's what I, I don't understand. You, if you're a senior level and uh, person in the administration, you have the ability to influence people to write laws or influence the Republican Party or Democrat Party to sway votes in the direction of changing the way things should be. This tells me that this person, whoever it is, if it's true, it could. This could all be farce too. We don't could know. Be, could be. Could be. But these individuals, they want the status quo government. They do. They don't want change. They have the chance to make change, and they're not doing it. They're just refusing to do it. Instead of doing that, they're just being oppositionalists. And we got a coward here who's anonymous to try and keep his own job and further undermined the president who was elected by the people. This person wasn't elected by anybody. Yaffe on the text line. What do you think as well, by the way? Uh, yes, but a lot of people upset about this. Uh, one person said this, though, said this will not affect the Trump supporters at all. Another person uh, said this, says it looks like the Democrat Party is in full collapse mode. They know we are winning and we have them on the run. Another person thinks that it was written by Mike Pence. Oh, no possible way. That cannot be. That's what someone is suggesting. I don't know who it is. I'll bet you we're going to find out, though, and I'll yeah, bet you we're going to we know will. the name. I bet we're going to know the name when we hear it. Let's go to uh, Mike in Orlando. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, morning, bud. Um, last night when I started watching this on the, on the ridiculous mainstream media, the first thing they started throwing out, and kept repeating over and over again is the 25th Amendment. My concern is that they're going to use this as their their uh, vehicle to try to get him out since the 
They couldn't get him out any other way. Yeah, I agree with that. That may happen. The 25th Amendment has some interesting um, uh, elements to it. Among them, if a president is unable to discharge his duties, and normally they thought about that, well, what if he's severely wounded, he's never going to recover, but he's still alive, or maybe he just gets mentally incompetent or has a nervous breakdown or something. With a majority vote by the uh, cabinet, um, the vice president can take over. I just don't yeah, see Mike. Yeah, they were already calling for congressional intervention and, and starting to steer toward this way. They were, you know, not shy about it at all. It's like, we, we got to look at the 25th Amendment. Like, what? Yeah, it's a coup. I'm telling you, that that's what's going on here. Across party lines, too. It's outrageous. I, I, I think the president's doing a heck of a job. There's never a time when I see him when he appears to be not up to the job and unhinged and irrational. I don't, I don't ever see that, Trump. Don't you think we get a glimpse of that if it were real? I don't think so. Right on cue, the tropics heating up and a church using sheep to mow the lawn. Deborah Roberts updating our news at the bottom of the hour. Good morning from us all here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM 540 at 7.30. Deborah Roberts, you're scaring us talking about tropical <laughs> trouble. I hope it's nothing we're going to have to worry about. No, but living in Florida, this is just something we have to pay attention to. And uh, the U.S., of course, we're still dealing with the remnants of Gordon mm-hmm. now in the heartland causing problems there. We're also watching Hurricane Florence, the first major hurricane of the season so far this year, as well as other disturbed weather boiling off the coast of Africa. We have what could be Tropical Storm Helene and Isaac behind that. Well, Bob Smurbeck, an AccuWeather meteorologist, says you can tell that we've hit the heavy part of the storm season. We're getting uh, toward the peak season of uh, hurricane season as we get uh, deeper into September here. And uh, just like uh, somebody flipped a switch, the tropics are heating up right now. He says the next few weeks are going to be busy ones. Several factors will be in play, determining how many of these systems, if any, become a threat to the U.S. mainland, of course, including Florida. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Oh, it's time for your awe moment. Uh, I need one of those. Yeah, well, I've, I'm here to deliver, bud, because okay. another adorable flock of sheep is being warmly welcomed back to the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Nolita. The five-month-old ewes named Houston, Prince, and Spring are spending six weeks lambscaping. Lambscaping, I like that. The lawn and helping to maintain the centuries-old courtyard, much to the delight of onlookers. Mm-hmm. Now, the parish began inviting sheep to graze in its courtyard about four years ago when the church's longtime landscaper announced his retirement. The New York Post reports this year's trio hails from a wind- and solar-powered farm in the Hudson Valley that raises sheep and goats for fiber production. Living lawnmowers, they're good at it. <laughs> they are good at it. They no eat gas. <laughs> exactly. No smoke. All you have to do is feed them. Well, I guess a different kind of gas might be an issue. I wasn't thinking about that. That's a lot of greens. Uh, <laughs> Scientists say... <laughs> Scientists say that if they can successfully clone a 40,000-year-old horse, they might be able to bring back another long-extinct species. The foal was found in the frozen subsoil of a Siberian crater known as literally the Mouth of Hell. If you've ever seen pictures of this Siberian crater, it's frightening. It does remind you of what the Mouth of Hell would look like. But they're now taking cells from this 40,000-year-old foal in an effort to clone the species back to life. A researcher at Russia's Mammoth Museum said that if the, said the foal was perfectly preserved, 
So they were able to get samples from what he calls a unique find for biotechnology research. You know, there's a trend toward trying to do this. Yes, there is. And it really kind of scares me because it's kind of like Jurassic Park in a way. You know, a horse I don't think would be an issue. Oh, but, but wait. They're, they're talking about bringing a woolly mammoth back. Who knows how that's going to be, you well, know? Well, a Russian-South Korean team of scientists claims that experimenting on the foal is the first step in their ultimate goal of bringing back the woolly mammoth. I just worry about something getting out of control, you know? I mean, like... We've all seen the movies. Yes, you know I what I mean? I was about to say, yeah. We've all seen the movies. Don't you think, Yaffe? Doesn't have to be dinosaurs coming back. Something that just can't coexist well with things that we have here now. I don't know. No mess with Mother Nature, they say. I'm very torn, though, because it would be really cool to see that. (laughs) Not going to lie. I'd go see it. (laughs) All right. Finally, you can take the cowboy out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of a cowboy. Just ask the New Jersey man who rides around on a motorized horse. Steve Beck, a rodeo cowboy originally from Texas, now lives in Cranford, New Jersey, and says he literally stops traffic as people do a double take. The self-proclaimed crazy Cranford cowboy said his wife told him he can't have a real horse. But she didn't say he couldn't make one. Ah. So Steve cruises around town on his trusty steed and has become quite the hit on social media. He gets calls from all over the world from people asking where they can buy such a horse. Steve's electric horse can travel up to 40 miles an hour. It runs on a golf cart uh, golf cart motor powered by four batteries. <laughs> Take a guess if you'd like at what the horse's name is. Oh, boy. Um, Charger, of of course, course. because he requires charging. Steve and a friend in Austin, Texas, built Charger. His friend actually owns a business that is an entire fleet of motorized horses and bulls used for kids' parties and corporate events. Ask our super producer, Mike Yaffe, to maybe post the video of the electric horse because it might be under on your Christmas list as well. It's pretty cool. Let's find that and put that up, can we, Yaffe? Yeah, how much does it cost, though? It doesn't matter. It's a motorized horse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> must have. <laughs> Gotta have must it. Have. Gotta have it. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> Fun and games right now. The sound judgment game. And, Steph, tell us all about that exciting prize we're playing for. Yes, bud. So today we have a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice presents Mickey's Search Party at the Amway Center, happening September 7th through the 9th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 93.1wflaorlando.com. Keyword events for more info. You're going to be here or to your kids and grandkids family four-pack. You're eligible if you haven't uh, won the game in a month. You're going to Disney on Ice either this Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. If you're our winner, if you're trying to get in, wait for a wrong answer that opens up a line for you at 407-916-5400. Here we go. On this date in 1997, a couple of billion people watched a music superstar perform a song for a very special occasion. I want you to listen to some sound of that performance, then use your sound judgment to name the singer and the occasion. And it seems to me you've lived your life like a candle in the wind, never fading with the sunset. When the rain set in And your footsteps will always fall here Along England's greenest hills Your candles burned out long before Your legend ever will Gives me... Goosebumps to this very day, and I've got them as I speak. 
Give me the name of the singer and the occasion, and you're our winner. Go ahead, line one. I have no clue, bud. Oh, you will in a moment, but thank you. 407-916-5400. There's the open line. We've had a lot of late-round winners. Grab it, 407-916-5400. Line two, the name of the singer and that occasion upon which he that sung that song. was Freddie Mercury singing at... No, 407-916-5400. Line three, singer and occasion, please. Good morning, bud. I know it's Elton John. I'm going to say it's for Princess Diana. I'll take that. The funeral of Princess Diana. Yeah. He rewrote the lyrics to uh, Candle in the Wind. You remember that? I do remember it. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a goosebumper. Still is to me. Congratulations to you, my friend. You're going to Disney on ice. Have you got it all figured out? Who gets those tickets along with you? Absolutely. We're excited to go. Thank you, bud. Family event, huh? Absolutely. Oh, you're going to love it. That'll be terrific. What's your first name, my friend? My name's Gary. Gary, G-A-R-Y. What's hometown for you? It's with the J, J-E-R-R-Y, and I'm in Davenport. I'm sorry, J-E-R-R-Y? Correct, from Davenport. Davenport. Terrific. Well, welcome to Orlando for Disney on Ice, my friend. You're going to have a great, great time. We're thrilled for you. Uh, I'll work it, uh, put you on hold with Steph, and you can work it out, Okay. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Great to have you with us here. Do you remember that, Yaffe? You would have just been a little kid back then, I think, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I remember I remember the news about it, but I didn't watch the funeral. Apparently, it like, became the biggest selling single of all time after that. People just, really? Yeah. yeah it wow. Was, I was reading about that, and it was just... I'll I never understand forget. why. And he, and he played the piano in Westminster Abbey. You know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was just unbelievable. Yep. Okay. And it happened on this date in 1997. Uh, We'll play Sound Judgment sometime during Friday's show. Hope you'll have an opportunity to win. And um, stay tuned because we move it around. You just never know where it's going to go. I'll put it in wherever it fits in our three hours every single day. Good morning, Orlando. Good Thursday morning. So glad you've joined us here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. You're just in time for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, right on cue, the tropics are heating up. And Senator Marco Rubio's confronted by conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And as we've been discussing all morning, President Trump sabotaged by an anonymous senior official in a New York Times op-ed. We're talking about it with you next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 93.1. It may seem like the hurricane season is getting more intense, and it is, but everything is moving along at the pace and intensity that forecasters have been expecting. However, AccuWeather meteorologist Bob Smurbeck says we still want to keep an eye out. The numbers are pretty normal right now. The, the numbers are pretty average for uh, where we stand this far into the season. Uh, the, the, the systems haven't been that strong, uh, so there's been other factors involved with uh, keeping some of these systems from uh, becoming uh, monster hurricanes. But now we're getting into the peak part of hurricane season, so we'll have to keep a sharp eye on these, these features. Florence, which became a major hurricane this week, is one system that forecasters are watching. So are some systems moving off Africa, which could become Helene and Isaac. The Atlantic hurricane season ends November 30th. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
The Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearing wasn't the only important hearing going on in Washington yesterday. Executives from Twitter and Facebook testified before Marco Rubio and the Senate Intelligence Committee about how they can prevent authoritarian regimes from using their social media platforms to sow discord in the U.S., including interfering in our elections. What we're asking you to do, and I think what you've agreed to do, is to use uh, the powers that you have within your platforms to crack down on certain users who are hostile actors, who are using disinformation or misinformation or hate speech for the purposes of sowing discord or interfering in our internal affairs. And that's a positive. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey said they regularly push back against countries like Turkey that demand that Twitter censor voices it doesn't like. Meanwhile, a confrontation between Rubio and right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones is going viral. Television cameras were rolling outside of Capitol Hill social media hearing yesterday when Jones crashed Rubio's news conference, patted him on the shoulder, and called the senator, quote, little frat boy. Here's how the senator responded. Don't touch me again, man. I'm asking you not to touch me. Well, sure, I just patted you nicely. I know, but I don't want to be, I don't know you, you, I don't know who you are. You're not going to get arrested, man. You're not going to get arrested. I'll take care of it myself. Jones and others claim social media has been surreptitiously banning conservatives. And to that end, the Department of Justice plans to meet with state attorneys general this month to look into those accusations that social media companies are stifling viewpoints. President Trump has accused social media companies of censoring conservative opinions, but didn't provide any examples. Attorney General Jeff Sessions called for the September 25th meeting. There's no word, though, on wait on which state attorneys general will attend. I watched that. It really got tense. I thought they were pretty close to duking it out. I thought they were, too. (laughs) (laughs) That'd have been fun. And finally, the new Nike ad featuring former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick will air during uh, tonight's NFL season opener. Nike says the ad will run this week during the U.S. Open, Major League Baseball games, college football, and during tonight's opener between the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles. The ad features Kaepernick, who created, of course, the firestorm when he began kneeling during the national anthem before games to protest racial injustice. A two-minute version of the ad showing now on Twitter features other prominent athletes as well, including LeBron James and Serena Williams. Of course, here in Central Florida, you can't get any more prominent than Shaquille Griffin. Who starts this Sunday for the Seattle yes, Seahawks in the National Football League playing with one hand. And he's also part of this Just Do It ad he campaign. Is. Colin Kaepernick is getting all the attention, of course. but I think Shaquille yeah. Griffin is the story Nike should be telling. I do, too. I agree. But at least here, it's not lost on us in Central no, Florida. No, it's not. What a superstar he absolutely Remarkable is. Remarkable story. WFLA News Time. It's 8.07. All right, if you're getting ready to fly, heads up. A new uh, study says uh, airport security trays, the place where you put your shoes and your yeah, belts and your laptop. Yeah, 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 well, they're dirtier than toilets. <sighs> That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, get the savory details yeah, for yourself. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, it's a public service. At WFLAOrlando.com, the third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. WFLA is moving down the FM dial. Tune now to FM 93.1, and we're still on AM 540. That's right. As of October 1st, we go away on 102.5 FM, and we'll be exclusively on 93.9. You can catch us there right now and lock it in into your preset you listen on AM 540, you've got no problems. Nothing changes there. Oh, the iHeartRadio Music Festival is coming up in Las Vegas, September 21st and 22nd, just a couple of weeks out. And you're going on us if you win our texting contest. 
Keyword of the um, hour coming right up. Text it to 200-200. You could win round-trip airfare to Las Vegas, uh, two tickets to both nights of the iHeartRadio Music Festival, and to put you in the running for the incredible grand prize worth $21,000. You'll go first-class round-trip airfare, three nights in a swanky hotel, poolside cabana that's all yours at the Park MGM, front-row tickets to both nights at the iHeartRadio Music Festival. Incredible. Keyword coming now. Listen closely right after a word from Deb. You're going to hear it and then text it to 200-200, and good luck to you. It's where I bring a topic back in all three hours, but this is so big, we're doing it. And if you haven't read the anonymous op-ed in the New York Times from a senior official within the Trump administration... We have posted the entire thing. I don't have time to read most of it as I did earlier in the show on the website. Yaffe's got it up now. Check it at WFLAOrlando.com. Headline on the op-ed. It's anonymous, of course. We're going to find out who this is. And Trump wants the guy's head. I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. I work for the president, but like-minded colleagues and I have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I mean, it just, it's amazing to me. This is from within his own administration. This is sabotage. Trump was questioning whether it's treason. I don't think it will wind up being considered that. But it's amazing. When you have something like this, it's unprecedented to have this. And the guy is such a coward that he won't even allow his name to be used and the Times, of course, is into the destruction of Trump and his presidency, so they gleefully have printed this. Um, and the guy's just trying to keep his job. They, that's why they don't want to announce who he is. We're going to find out who this is. I think there's going to be a wholesale purge within the Trump administration, in the White House and, and within the administration elsewhere in Washington here. And I think it's going to get ugly, but the president has got to find out who is undermining him you know, and claiming to be part of the Trump team. The op-ed writer, we don't know who it is, says we want the administration to succeed. We think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But they say it's all in spite of Trump, not because of him. No credit for him at all. And that we believe our first duty is to this country as the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. So they are intervening to save the country watching the president and trying to keep him on the rails. You know, those of us who voted for him, we certainly didn't vote for whoever wrote this op-ed for crying out loud, are not about to have them throw this president out of office and disenfranchising the 62 million of us who voted for Trump who think he's doing a whale of a job. And if the guy is so unhinged and so incompetent, and so not up to the job, wouldn't we see that on display? I've never seen Trump make me feel that way. Have you? I'll tell you one thing. Trump's not backing down at a sheriff's event in the White House. He had just gotten a hold of this op-ed and had this to say. We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This, person, this is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, but it's really a disgrace. So when you tell me about some anonymous source 
within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons. No. And the New York Times is failing. If the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, we're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. President is um, is not backing down, but it looks to me like from the Woodward book to the Mueller probe to the deep state activity within agencies like the FBI that we've chronicled well on this program, now to the anonymous op-ed from a senior administration official in the New York Times, that we got a coup attempt going on here. And it's not just an attempt from the left to throw the president out who was elected by the people of this country. It's coming from within his own administration. This is unbelievable. This is scary. This is dangerous. Some say this person's a hero. I think this person's a traitor. I think this person will be found out and immediately fired. Maybe others as well. There may be a full purge within the administration here. Trump's got to get to the bottom of this. He's got to know who he can trust and who he can't. Who do you think wrote this op-ed? 407-916-5400. Take it from any angle you want. We've been talking about it all morning. I want to get you in on the conversation. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Sabotage from within the administration by an anonymous senior official with an anti-Trump op-ed in the New York Times. It's all posted on the website at WFLAOrlando.com. Read it all. John, good morning from Leesburg. What are your thoughts? Good morning, bud. Yes, uh, I think it's just a uh, Democratic setup. It's another cheap, uh, desperate shot uh, from a Democrat who knows one of the editors at the New York Times, and they just got it published. So you don't actually think it's real that it's a senior Trump administration official? No, no, not at all. Okay, you may be right. I don't know the answer to that question. The texters, Yaffe, have some ideas on who might have written this. Yes, but a couple of people think it's Mike Pence. No way. No, he's too much of a straight arrow, <laughs> strong Christian, too much of a moral he's compass to be doing that. He's very this texter, that it's I Mike Pence. I can't even, no, my God, I would not, I would, <laughs> oh. Another person thinks can't it's imagine. the director of national intelligence, Dan, Dan Coates. Coates. That's interesting. That one I could kind of see, although it doesn't seem like it with the way it was written and mm. the things that he was getting in the way of. So I don't know. Kenny, you're on the phone from Orlando. What are your thoughts? Yes, good morning, bud. This Hi. is Kenny. How, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm glad to have you with me. Great. Well, listen, it's a joy to be here. Uh, the previous caller stole my thunder somewhat because I think uh, – Trump has been such a burr under the saddle of the New York Times and all the other uh, fake news that doesn't right. do anything to plant uh, information. And, and saying that the source anonymous, they're going to hide behind the First Amendment, so they're not going to have to disclose the source. So you're and, thinking the New York Times cooked this whole thing up and there is no high senior administration official that is working to undermine the president from within who wrote the op-ed? I'd be extremely surprised wow. if you found that it was somebody within the administration. Interesting. Thank you. The president tweeting, um, we're trying to drain the swamp. Swamp's fighting back. Don't worry, we'll win. And then this, 
does the so-called senior administration official really exist, or is it just a failing New York Times with another phony source? Huh? If the gutless anonymous person does indeed exist, the Times must, for national security purposes, turn him or her over to the government at once. I can't imagine how a White House functions right now, you know, with with this op-ed. And, and let's assume it's real for a moment, and I'll bet you're going to find out it is, and I'll bet you we're going to learn quickly who this is who wrote it, and they're going to be toast in a heartbeat. But how do you even function in the White House when you look around at a meeting and wonder, Yaffe, you know, where's the traitor or where are the traitors who are smiling at me and nodding their heads as I give the orders for the day on what we're going to do and wondering who is there trying to cut your legs off? And make you paranoid. I mean, it would make me paranoid in that kind of situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just an unbelievable situation here. And I know there is more coming up. We talked about the president's tweet on draining the swamp and the swamp fighting back. Chuck in Longwood on that. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. This is a wild story, isn't it? Absolutely, it's a wild story, but uh, nothing to be unex- nothing not to be unexpected. The um, uh, I go to my end, which was the um, uh, Nixon's books. After Nixon had resigned, he had several books, and he stated that the biggest mistake he ever made yeah. was not getting rid of the political appointees in the White House mm-hmm. after he uh, uh, was elected president. Well, I think there may be a wholesale purge by the president. He's got to get to the bottom of this and get these people out of there or trying to undermine him, for God's sake. He really needs to do that. That we've all been, you know, thankful that we haven't been messed up by uh, tropical weather, really. We haven't taken a hit here yet, but we're all kind of holding our breath as we hit the peak of the season. And there's a lot of stuff suddenly going on, isn't there? Yeah, we've been real thankful that we haven't been dealing with tropical weather like they have in the Pacific. Right. Specifically Hawaii. But still, forecasters in the Atlantic are watching what could soon become Tropical Storm Helene, which is thankfully still far out in the Atlantic. Bob Smurbeck, an AccuWeather meteorologist, says it's a system, though, that is moving through a very favorable area. That's looking better organized right now. There's a nice area of thunderstorms, even a little low-level circulation. So uh, that has the potential here to become a tropical depression or perhaps even a tropical storm over the next couple of days. He says there's a lot going on that can either encourage or inhibit these systems, but we are in that time of year when they come thick and fast off the African coast. The statistical peak of the hurricane season is September 10th. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. It's true. Humans were making cheese earlier than thought. Archaeologists have found the remains of a fermented dairy product in ancient pottery along the Croatian coast. It's about 7,200 years old. Oh, jeez. 4,000 years before previous evidence of old cheese. Definitely don't want to eat it, though. No, it goes beyond the expiration date, you know, how it smells. I can only imagine what it smells like if it's that old. And the mold on it? Yes. The find was detailed Wednesday in the journal PLOS One. Researchers theorized that early cheese and dairy production helped humans survive as children and eventually enabled them to thrive in colder climates. What's your favorite cheese? I love the cheese with the mold. I love the blue cheese and the roquefort. Oh, you like the stinky cheeses. Oh, the gorgonzola? Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nah, I'm not. If I didn't think it would kill me, I could eat a whole block of that stuff <laughs> in one setting with nothing else on it. And then be alone for the rest of the day. Yeah, but that's too much mold, what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Hey, speaking of things that are moldy you and oldy. You didn't answer. What's your favorite cheese? Cheese. Just any just, cheese? Just cheese. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I'm from Wisconsin, but cheese. Any cheese? Not the stinky cheese. Right. Not, not the, yeah. No. A good so sharp cheddar? I love a good sharp yeah, cheddar. So American? American. I like American. Got to have grilled cheese with American. Of course, I like the spicy ones, pepper jack. Of and- course. Snatch. <laughs> Munster, brie, in other words, cheese. All right. But speaking of other things that are moldy and oldy, you'll like this, Mike. Seniors are joining the daily grind at Starbucks. The popular coffee chain, I said moldy and oldy. Oh, I get Other things, it. Archaeologists. Oh, rhyming yeah. now. Okay, I'm not picking up on this. <laughs> but this is a good story. Seniors are joining the daily grind at Starbucks. The popular coffee chain has opened its first cafe. The grind. Yes. At co- see there. You see this. It's too subtle for me, Happy. I've got to be hit right between the eyes with a sledgehammer to get it. You know. Go the, ahead. The popular coffee chain has opened its first cafe, operated entirely by staff members who are 55 and older. That's good. Yes, it is. Starbucks, uh, the Starbucks store in Mexico City is taking the lead, hiring seven adults between the ages of 55 and 66. The seniors were trained by younger staff members. Starbucks says it hopes to expand its senior staff to 120 by the end of the year. How about that? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And finally, a Boston doctor believes he knows the reason for the Mona Lisa's mysterious smile. Yeah, people have wondered for years, you know, what that smile is or if it's really a smile. Well, Dr. Mandeep Mehra of Brigham and Women's Hospital thinks the woman in the world's most famous painting was sick and likely suffered from thyroid disease. He says that would explain Lisa Garadini's yellowish skin, puffy neck, lack of eyebrows and eyelashes, and receding hairline. Dr. Mara thinks hypothyroidism could have impaired the nerves in Mona Lisa's face, keeping the Italian matron from smiling completely when Leonardo da Vinci painted her in the early 1500s. I'll be darned. Wow, she's sick and she's sitting there for a painting? Yeah. You still got to wrap it up, Leonardo. I still got to go home. I said, I feel good, you know? I mean, <laughs> okay, I don't know how to react to that. I, I, I just want to read the story again just I, to let him do it again. I was just going to say, I really feel like people look way too deep into stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I think he just said, smile. And she said, okay, and then smiled. That's probably all it was. Yeah. It's take her too long. I'm going to feel sick. I'll speed it up, Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyway. he just do the rest of the show? Like I'd love to. Like the Mona oh, Lisa. No. I wonder what Dr. Kronhaus <laughs> thinks of that. Very interesting. By the way, he's on the 50,000-watt front porch listening to you attentively, and we're going to have him in a moment with a house call. Well, maybe he can uh, weigh in on what he thinks would be hypothyroidism and Mona Lisa's smile. He's already overloaded with breaking health yeah. and medical news. We'll see, though. And Dr. K is coming right up with breaking health and medical news. If you're not getting enough sleep, guess what? Not only bad, according to new studies, for your heart, but your brain as well. We are in serious trouble on the morning shift, and that's true. Dr. K next, along with an update on Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025. Make that News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus.
And if you're like me and you didn't get enough sleep, you got to listen to Doc right off the top. How are you, Doc? Welcome aboard. Great to be with you, bud. Okay. Breaking health and medical news about the damage that can be done to you if you continually don't get the sleep you're supposed to. Exactly. The annual meeting of the European Society of Cardiology last week in Munich, Germany, reported three studies all about the importance of sleep and your health. So getting a good night's sleep, which in their studies was usually between six to eight hours, can lower the risk of both heart attacks and strokes, according to these three studies reported last week. Sleep influences biological processes like sugar metabolism, blood pressure, and inflammation, but all of which have an impact on cardiovascular disease. So get at least seven hours per night. That's the recommendation by the American Sleep Association to keep the heart healthy and to avoid mental lapses. And a lot of folks have sleep apnea, and it can cause all kinds of problems, but the new research is something I'd not heard before. Share it. Share that with us. Arthritis and Rheumatology Journal just this week. People with sleep apnea, they have a 42% higher chance of developing gout, bud. Gout is a painful form of arthritis. It's caused by buildup of uric acid in the body. It causes swollen, red, hot, and stiff joints. Periodic low levels of oxygen caused by sleep apnea lead to overproduction of uric acid, causing gout. And we know in recent years, we keep on hearing we have more and more kids with attention deficit syndrome, and apparently ADHD rates in kids in this country are going up sharply. What's the latest? Exactly, but Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, this week, the number of ADHD diagnoses among children has risen dramatically in the past two decades, going from 6% to 10%. It's likely that we're better at diagnosing ADHD, and this may contribute partly to the increase. However, Research has uncovered a host of factors that could increase a child's risk of ADHD, such as preterm birth, low birth weight, or mom smoking or taking drugs during pregnancy. So mom, don't smoke, don't take drugs that aren't prescribed. Anything, talk to your doctor, any pill you put in your mouth, make sure the doctor says it's okay. Absolutely right, doc. Thanks a lot. And now salmonella is nasty stuff, and a lot of folks are sick with it. From an unlikely source, breakfast cereal, Doc? This is nasty. From the CDC this week, 130 people across 36 states have now fallen very ill with salmonella after eating Kellogg's Honey Smack cereal. For the time being, the CDC is advising consumers and retailers not to eat, serve, or sell any Kellogg's Honey Smack cereal, and it doesn't affect any of the other Kellogg cereals. So just stay away from this until the coast is clear. Also on the house call this morning, Doc, I've been working out since the middle of July, real hard on a regular basis. I'm becoming an awesome force, <laughs> they tell me. But there are too many adults who aren't getting enough exercise, and it puts their health at risk, according to the latest research. Exactly. It's the sweet spot. You can underdo it, you can overdo it. This comes out of the Lancet Global Health Journal this week. More than a quarter of the world's adults, 1.4 billion with a B, people take too little exercise, putting them at higher risk of cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, dementia, and cancer. All of these horrible things because you're not getting enough activity. 
The last time that this was measured was in 2016. About one in three women and one in four men worldwide were not reaching the recommended level of physical activity. Stay healthy. That's at least 150 minutes of moderate or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise a week. Okay, I'm doing a whole lot more than that. I'm feeling better for it, too, I must tell you. Um, Toxic metals are now tied into heart disease risk. Now, what is going on here? British Medical Journal this week, people with heavy exposure to arsenic, lead, cadmium, or copper are more likely to develop cardiovascular disease. But while these elements occur naturally in the Earth's crust, certain metals can also appear at unsafe levels in drinking water, food, and air as a result of agricultural and industrial practices, mining, and smoking. Boy, it's pretty tough to know whether you're, you're taking in any of that stuff, right? Just uh, stay and live a healthy life. There you go. Before you go, and I think you, you mentioned this while um, I happened to be off, and I think Yaffe or, or, or Mark were doing the uh, house call with you here, but Deb had an item earlier this week. We've always been told, you know, don't eat a whole lot of eggs because it's going to raise your cholesterol. Bad for your heart. And the new research suggests otherwise. Can you quickly give us a rundown on that? Well, exactly. In one egg yolk, there's approximately 250 milligrams of cholesterol. And usually people are told, you know, not to exceed 300 milligrams of cholesterol a day. So it's all there. And so we were advising people for decades to stay away from egg yolks. Egg whites are fine. But the recent research is showing actually the sweet spot is about four to six egg yolks per week. No more than one per day actually helps to prolong life. So it's not the cholesterol in an egg yolk that actually causes the plaques. It's the saturated fat. It's the trans fat. Those are the bad fats that actually produce the plaques in the circulation from head to toe. How about that? Terrific information on the weekly house call from my doctor, my good friend, Dr. Ken Kronhaus from Lake Cardiology. Thank you so much, Doc, and have a great day. Be well, bud. Book an appointment with this amazing man at this amazing practice and find out what shape your heart's in. Find out about his amazing heart care technology, the um, uh, the BudScan 2.0, as Doc named it in my honor. Um, it's the best out there. It'll see inside your heart and end all the guesswork in a way that we've never been able to do before, and it might save your life. Schedule an appointment. Tell him I sent you when you call his staff at 352-735-1400, 352-735-1400. If you'd like to catch more of Doc, can do. He has a nationally syndicated radio program we're proud to cover and uh, bring to you live every uh, Sunday afternoon at 2. It is Good Day Health with Dr. Ken right here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA and still on AM 540. So what's all this 93.1 talk? And what's the Bud Man talking about that 102.5 that I listen to him on is soon to go away? I'll give you the very latest from on high here at WFLA about what's going on and what you need to know. And stay tuned. It is coming right up. After we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic one final time for you, stay tuned. It's coming your way in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. There are a lot of folks who are saying, my goodness, what's going on there at the radio station? We're still WFLA, but on FM, we're going to go out of business on 102.5. It's going to go away on October 1st. Uh, We are now being heard on 102.5 for the month of September, 
and on our new FM frequency, 93.1. You need to get 93.1 locked in on your preset right now because there'll be no more 102.5 as of October 1st. Um, These things happen in the radio business, and it's happened here, and uh, it's all going to be fine. Nothing that you need to do or know if you listen to us on AM 540. That's going to be unchanged. If you catch us on uh, 107.7 HD3, uh, again, that continues. Other information that's important here and folks are wondering about, you can still find us on iHeartRadio at WFLA Orlando. Facebook is still WFLA Orlando. Twitter is at WFLA Orlando. And the website is now WFLAOrlando.com. Local call number unchanged. Toll free is now 866-916-5400. And the text line still 23680. As always, where standard message and data rates apply. I think that pretty much covers all the ground. All of the stuff on the op-ed um, by the senior White House official uh, trashing Trump uh, showed up in the New York Times. It's all posted for you. Yaffe's got it on the website, WFLAOrlando.com. It's our hot topic this morning. You can read it in its entirety on the website, WFLAOrlando.com, keyword Budman. Wow, time has flown by. Thanks for your time. We'll see you tomorrow morning from 6 until 9 from all of us, the Budman. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.